Welcome to the Lasting Learning Podcast. I am so glad that you're here. This is Dave Schmidow, the host of the Lasting Learning Podcast. On this podcast, we're not in search of the latest gimmicks and tricks. Instead, we focus in on the people making a difference. We learn their stories, what's brought them success, and what matters most. I hope you'll stay connected to me and to all of our guests by subscribing and sharing this with your friends. Now, let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of the Lasting Learning Podcast. In this podcast, we explore ways that we can make education endure, make experiences that last for kids, and teach the skills as well as the content that helps prepare our students for the future, whatever it may be. Today, I am super excited about our podcast, as as you'll see as we get going. Um, I have an amazing guest on today, Jennifer Lee Quattrucci, and you'll soon see why I emphasize Lee actually comes up in today's podcast. Uh, She is the author of the book, Educate the Heart, Screen-Free Activities for Grades Pre-K through 6 to Inspire Authentic Learning. Um, Jennifer's absolutely amazing. She does so much on social media, um, shares a ton about her classroom, shares a ton about motherhood. She's a a mom to to two kids, a 13-year-old and a 9-year-old. She actually does quite a bit with the fashion industry as well. She is a current teacher out in Rhode Island, um, living her best life. So I'm just going to shut up here and I'm going to transition over to the interview and the conversation with Jennifer Lee Quattrucci. I hope that you all enjoy it and uh, feel free to share, subscribe, like, do whatever you got to do to make this podcast popular. All right. I am super, super excited about uh, this week's guest. Um, This week's guest is an author. She's a teacher. She's a um, fashionista, which we'll talk about that soon as well. Um, This week, you are just going to be blown away by the wisdom and the, the cute Northeastern accent that you're going to be hearing. Um, you're not going to have to just listen to my boring Midwestern draw, throw on the words pop and A around. Um, today, you get to hear some wisdom from Rhode Island, from our guest, the author of Educate the Heart, screen-free activities for grades pre k through 6 to inspire authentic learning, or as I simply call it, a cookbook for real learning. Um, I am super, super excited to have Jennifer with us today. So, so Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here with you today. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I don't think you're nearly <laughs> as excited as I am. Um, <laughs> I am. I'm <laughs> you, know, you and I have been connecting now for, I don't know, it feels like years, but I'm, I'm sure it's only been six, seven, eight months or so now um, through social media and really connecting almost every single day, I feel. And uh, I, I feel like I know a lot about you, but I, I can guarantee we've got listeners out here today that, that don't know much about you. So if you could just take a minute, introduce yourself, um, tell us what you do, where you're from, um, and just whatever else you want to share, and then we'll jump right in. Sure. So I am Jennifer Lee Quattrucci, and I've been a teacher for 23 years in Providence, Rhode Island. 
and I taught kindergarten for 22 years. Growing up, I always, always wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. Right, I got to stop right there. Kindergarten. I love that. Kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead with your kindergarten self. <laughs> so I always, I wanted to teach, but I specifically wanted to teach young children. And I studied early childhood in elementary and college, but I always, something about kindergarten, I just loved so much. And just about the, the hands-on, the way that they're so curious, um, the stories to introduce them to that they've never been introduced to before, all of those uh, activities. And I want to say fun, but so much more than fun, so much learning, so much learning involved, letting the kids be kids at their own pace, um, way back in college with the big, the big buzzword, this is going back, you know, 23 years ago, even longer than that, uh, developmentally appropriate practices. And that has like, clung to me all through these years what you you know the basic the Rhode Island early childhood standards just just good basic sense even you know as from teaching and now that I'm a mom of a mom I have a 13 year old and I have a nine-year-old those um things that I learned back then and you know made me so excited to teach it seems like they had fallen through the wayside and a lot of it, I think, is the big push with the technology. But anyway, all through the years, <laughs> all through the, all the, and I don't ever, I don't want to say anything bad about the technology itself because it is how it's used or abused. And this book is not a book about anti-device. It's a book about other experiences. That's right. what it is, an alternative. So, you know, the idea of a curriculum that makes the social and emotional learning needs of students a priority and ensures that all children are taught to think critically, collaborate effectively, communicate respectfully, and express themselves creatively has always been my vision. And in a world now where children are rushed from place to place, often occupied by devices, we as educators and parents, we, we can create an environment where they're given time, we need to create an environment better experiences where they're given the time and allowed to focus and think, create, learn, and be bored. Children, they need to be bored to find out really what interests them and act on that. So uh, let, me, let me pause you right there because uh, I, I've got some, some things I, I, I want to ask you, but I just want to make sure that we're clarifying for the audience. Yep. You didn't write an entire book about how to bore our kids, did you? No, absolutely <laughs> okay. not. Absolutely not. Nope. So when I say that children need to be bored, and I and I did a, I actually did a podcast episode about this back in the spring. I mean that they need to have the open-ended experiences Absolutely. that they can take and and make them their own. Not even so much um, create, but more innovate. So both create and innovate. But I mean not like following step-by-step -step directions but taking it, making their own, making their own plan. For example, on a STEM challenge, one, one chapter in the book has 15 collaborative STEM challenges. And those STEM challenges are not, you know, follow these directions, you know, and let's do this and make this work. It's how can you, how can you make this happen? What yeah. do you think? And you're making a plan and you're revising and you're revising again and you're reflecting and you're, you're trying so many different things uh, until you're happy with the results. You're doing that on your own. And the children are communicating with each other. So it's not about, okay, give them these things and have them do nothing. It's, it's really the opposite. 
is keep them engaged in what they're interested in. Let them find what they're interested in. Make it, you know, engaging for them. Give them the, the okay, so the friends, their friends, their, their peers in their classroom. You know, when they're, when they're on screens, they're, they're with the screen. They're, 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 they're doing, you know, whatever, but they're not using such an asset, which is a friend, another person that they can learn from and communicate with. Learn, not just learning the social skills, which is important, not just learning that whole give and take, how to talk and um, how to be respectful and listen to others' ideas, but to actually learn from each other, yeah. learn from their idea and add to their ideas. Learn, learn from each other. And we're not, if we don't give the children the opportunities to work together and be cooperative and collaborate, you're, we're missing out on a wealth, wealth of um, experiences. Oh, so, so a lot of the activities are collaborative. <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep oh, you're good. Me. Yep. So a lot of the activities are collaborative activities and they rely on the children learning to work together. But I give, what I love about, what I really wanted to do is I didn't want a book of just theory. Like, I didn't want to just talk about, this is how you do a STEM challenge, sure, sure. now do them. And I didn't want to talk about, this is why we need to we'll work with com with community, and that's it. And I didn't want to talk about, you know, to, um, for cooking, why should we should cook with kids. I, even though I have a, a chapter in the book about cooking, I have all of the background information, the the rationale, the research, and then I give you the activities. So there's 180 ideas and activities, but within each chapter, there's a lot, a lot of meat in there that explains, you know, why they're important to do and the whole process, the rules that the children can follow, how to help them to have a growth mindset. Like people talk all the time about let the children have a growth mindset and encourage them to um, embrace the yet, but how do you do that? And I show that, and, you know, as you saw in the book, I show that step by step how can we teach them that that needs to be taught they're not going to just be like okay i'll have a growth mindset now yeah it, so it all needs to be taught and you can teach it kindly and nicely and have patience with them but the point is is that you know you there's so much there there's so much there that can be taught and yeah. not just you know ignored so good so I, I, I love just listening to you talk right now not only because <laughs> of that, that cute that cute northeastern accent but it's, it's like this is yet another one of your babies, this book. I mean, it's, you know it so well. And yeah. you want to make sure that everybody that comes around it um, knows all the, the beauty and sees all the beauty that you see. You know, um, I, I, I just love hearing that, that passion and that enthusiasm from you. And, and as you're talking, you know, I'm sitting here writing down lots of, lots of notes and, and things that I want to ask you about. Um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to, to get a copy of this book. And I think... As we're recording this, I think today is official release day for the book. So those yes. people that are listening, it, it's out there. Feel free to, to check it out wherever you get your books. Um, but I, I have a copy in my hands already, and there's so much in it. And I'll dive into that in a second. But one of the things that at first captured my attention is just your name on the book. And I don't know if there's anything to this or not, but even your introduction today, you mentioned your middle name, Lee. <laughs> Um, it's, it, you make a point to point out your, your middle name. Is there any story behind that? Or is, it, is that just a Northeastern formality I'm not familiar with? No, there's, there's absolutely not even any story whatsoever. <laughs> then make something up. Come on, this is good. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I guess I just like my middle name. You That's know? awesome. And, 
yeah, I, I, there's, there's really no story whatsoever. It was just my name. When I was, when I was young, my father especially would always correct people if they called me anything other than Jennifer. Like he never was like, she's Jennifer Lee, like not like that, but always like Jennifer, not Jen. Okay. People now sometimes ask me, well, what do you prefer? Do you prefer Jen? Do you prefer Jennifer, Jenny? And they even say, do you have one N or two N's when they call me, call you Jen? I'm like, I don't. I really don't care whatsoever. Call me Jen, Jennifer. It never makes a difference to me, whatever, but at all. But in form, like formal, when I was growing up, I would just put Jennifer and then like you learn, you know, when you learn to do um, handwriting and you learn cursive and all that, I would put Jennifer L. CC okay. was my maiden name, C-E-C-E, Jennifer L. CC. I don't know. And then when I actually, when I, when I was young, I would, um, try different variations and like obviously not legally because I think I was like eight but I would I would be like I want to be Jenny Lee or um you know and I would just add it that way but awesome. when I was doing my social media I just included it um just there Jen, that's my I don't it's just my name Dave it's just my name I don't know <laughs> I, I, I guess I just I guess the answer is I like it so. okay well, that, that's fair enough that's that's fair enough <laughs> But but you know what? It the fact that you you use that in, in uh, all of your your like everything that I see. Um, yeah, because you, you see it on my not that I, yeah. on Instagram. Even though I'm mommy teacher fashionista on Instagram, I include the whole name on my account. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, that, that's actually that the segue I was I was going <laughs> there. So well done. It's almost like this is planned, but it's not. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about talk about that. The fact that um, on your social media. You don't necessarily use your first, middle, and last name as your as your handle. Um, you are a mommy teacher fashionista, which yeah. is so cool. Um, but I, I'm curious if you can um, describe where that comes from a little bit. Of course, sure. So about five years, I was never on any social media. Like I didn't even, I never paid any mind to it. And so I see people on Facebook, they'll come up and they'll share like a memory from nine years ago. I'm like, oh my goodness, was even Facebook on nine years ago? Cause it's like all new to me. But about five or six years ago, I, um, I got, I, I moved from like a, um, a rotary phone <laughs> to like a, an iPhone. It was like a huge big deal. And you know, I'm, I was just a kindergarten teacher and a wife. And I had okay, I'm going to stop you right there. There's no such yep. thing as just a kindergarten teacher. A kindergarten teacher okay, is was, the hardest job. Well, okay. So, well, my kids were, okay. So, so my daughter's 13. So she was about um, seven and my son was three. And I just, I don't, I guess because I had to get a phone because, you know, rotary, it wasn't like cool to have like a rotary phone, pull it out of your pocketbook, whatever. Yeah. I needed something. And people were telling me, and I know what it was. It was, um, I had joined the PTO at my school at Harry Kazarian, and I wanted to um, share information with parents. And through PTO today, through that organization, they recommended Twitter. Okay. I started off with a Twitter account, and I just put, you know, at Jen Quattrucci. And then somebody introduced me to Instagram. And I was like, oh, how cool pictures. And I put pictures <laughs> of my kids because, you know, they're yeah. so cute. And like, you know, I, my first picture, I think, was a picture of grilled lobsters. And then after that was a picture of my kids at Niagara Falls. And it was just, you know, you know that. And then I used that I noticed on Instagram and it was Jen Quattrucci on Instagram. And then I noticed from uh, Instagram. Jen? It was Jen? It was Jen. It was oh Jen Quattrucci. Yeah, I don't I'm know. assuming your dad's not on social media. Because he would have had a fit if you just went by Jen. Um, he, is, he is now, but okay. he ignored me 
for some reason on social media. I don't, I can't. Because <laughs> he was saying, I don't know who this Jen is. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's like a whole other issue for like a whole other show. Okay. But, um, so, <laughs> so on Instagram, I was Jen Quartucci. And then I noticed I was following some teachers just random teachers, because you see them, it shows you, you know, search for hashtags. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were showing outfits of the day. They would be in front of their mirror and they would show um, themselves in their outfit. And I love clothes and I love fashion. So I started to do that and it was just fun. And then companies um, through like maybe after, I don't know how many months or maybe a year after that companies, the first one that did this was a company called ThreadUp mm -hmm. and they sell used clothes online. Yeah. yeah. And they sent, they, they, I had a contract with them where they would send me clothes and they would give me a certain amount and a budget and I would wear the clothes and tag them. It was, but then it was different companies. Um, Aventura clothing and just, um, I did a lot, a lot of work with Shein. Then I did work with Lancome, just little by little people oh. would send me stuff and I would share it. And it got to be kind of like more like fashion. So but in between, between through the years, that's to make the, the, the long story short. It ended up, I, my name changed from Jen Quachucci to then it changed to, um, so I think it was uh, Love, Life, Shine Bright. It was something like that that didn't yeah. really mean anything. It's just like, you know how I am. I'm like so positive all the time. But then I just came up with Mommy Teacher Fashionista because it was fashion and it was still my mommy stuff and it was still like classroom ideas, you know, like my bulletin yeah. board and things like that, just like cute moments in the classroom. So that the name got changed quickly from Jen Quachucci to something shine bright love life to mommy teacher fashionista. Now in January, that account got hacked and I was actually extorted. I don't know if you know that because I don't know if we connected before or after that, but my account was mommy teacher fashionista. But then one day I started to get all these emails and they were like, we have your account and we need money. And I told my husband, I'm like, look at this, this is my Instagram account. And I was up to like 70,000 followers. And I, I, but I wasn't doing the fashion anymore. I took a big break from that. So I didn't have any, oh, any posts that I had to do. Like if I had things that I was scheduled to do that I was yeah. actually getting for I would have been in serious trouble but and these people were like um send this money and then they, they were lowering the price and I told my husband and we called the cops it was like a big deal because you know they kept mm -hmm. extorting and but anyway um I don't know how it happened because I do have the two-factor authorization well I can't say that word authorization, <laughs> <laughs> authorization I want to say but it's authentic something uh, yeah yeah, yeah. So I do have that, but I don't know if how I missed that, but then they kept changing the name because I couldn't report it because they kept changing the name. But the good thing about they kept changing the name is my name was available. So I kind of stressed about this for a couple of days and I said, you know what, this is just Instagram. Like who cares? Like this isn't even me anymore. I don't, I really don't, I don't work for Sheen anymore. I don't, I'm not, uh, you know, doing these pictures, wearing these clothes. I have nothing I have to do, nothing I'm being paid to. And now I'm, I'm writing a book and I was writing a book. I, you know, I was in the middle of writing it, of the book. And I remember I was sitting at my computer writing my book and this email came in about your Instagram. I'm like, this is my Instagram. I told my husband and like, I'm busy writing the book. And I remember he had gone to his friends to watch football that night and he was trying to get out of his friends, help him. And they were all like Googling things and how to do and he. And he's like, I know what to do. I know how to get your account back and nothing worked. But, but because they kept changing the name, I said, just forget it. Like I did, of course, 
at some time, at some point, Instagram did, did, um, they didn't actually respond directly, but I did, I did notice a huge jump in some of my old following, but it didn't matter because yeah. I'm not, it's not the same anyway. Like those people, they don't probably don't care anymore. I'm not that same person that was constantly the fashion, fashion. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, I started over in January. Okay. So it's the same name. So, which is cool. And, but what I like about it is I was able to stop fresh and I did do some of the old fashioned things that I liked. Cause I, I just, I did, I'd like to dress up <laughs> and I did post some of those. And I did just recently do something um, with a shirt from inspire kind acts um, for that company. Just, it wasn't anything, you know, formal, but they sent me a shirt and they sent my son a shirt and we, we, t we put the shirts on and we did some pictures and I put, you know, I yeah. wouldn't, that was, you know, not a big deal. So I do have a little bit of fashion in there, but mostly it's, um, as you can see, my big focus has been more uh, the teaching and the mommy rather than the fashionista part. But my name is still Mommy Teacher Fashionista because that's still all me. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And it's, it's almost like this has been just this giant built in segue because there are two big points I, I want to try to bring up and bring together. I don't know if they're, if they are married um, together, if we need to separate them out. But um, so the concept of your book um, is basically going screen free. And again, not, not disparaging or um, knocking down technology and the ability to, to have screens and utilize those in our lives and our kids' lives. But at the same time, you are so proficient and prolific online and through social media. And again, it, it's how we connected and how you connected with so many other educators. I think about like uh, Brian Mendler and Brian Aspinall and all these all these other people out there that are so big and powerful and uh, knowledgeable in, in our field of education and technology is what helped bring us together. So mm -hmm. talk a little bit about how um, as maybe a parent of uh, a 13 year old and a nine year old, because you know, I'm, I'm a dad of four kids. My oldest is 13. Uh, my youngest is four. So I cover that, <laughs> that age range as well. And I have that constant battle with, with my kids. Um, trying to get them to turn off the devices, whether it's before bed or in the morning. So my, my littlest one will wake up first thing in the morning and come charging in my room saying, Daddy, can I use your phone? Just because he wants to <laughs> watch YouTube. And it's, it's like this constant struggle. But yet, in my own world, in my own life, I utilize screens and technology all the time. So can you, can you just talk a little bit about um, how, how those things reconcile themselves as, as adults? Mm -hmm. We have grown to depend on technology and screens so much, and yet with kids, we know the, the impact it can have if they're not quite ready for it and why your book is so important. Yeah, so it's, I, I feel that it does definitely, it is constant. It is a constant thing that we need to teach them. Like you say, um, even as ourselves, you know, we have our, we're like right now we're doing this and I'm, you know, I have my phone on and I'm talking to you and you're, you're you know, we're connecting and we're online. Here's the thing, it's the technology, it's, it's, it's how you use it. It's not the technology that there's anything, there's anything, it's not, and I, you know, my son, 
you know, he always, uh, he actually reads my book a lot and he'll like randomly like look through the chapters and he'll like, do a screen free activity. And he's like, mom, I'm doing one of your screen free activities. And uh, he'll make a, one of them. He's making a comic book about his life. And he especially loves the homework chapter because those activities are so open-ended yeah. and he says it, but some, he says it sometimes like screen free. Like it's like, and I know because he's proud of me and he, and he wants that, like he wants that um, like praise for me, oh good screen free, but I teach him it's not, it's not, screens are not bad. It's not, the technology is not bad and something doesn't make it better just because you're not doing it on a screen. Like yeah. these activities are not what I consider awesome. Obviously I do because I've created them and I've chosen <laughs> these. I mean, there's so many, I mean, I say there's 180, there's 180 ideas, but you know what, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of things that you can do to teach, but I chose these specific 15 for each chapter very, very carefully. So it's not, it's not just because that they're not on the screen that makes them awesome. It's because of what it's encouraging the children to do, to think critically and to yeah. collaborate and to be creative. It's because of the engaging nature. They're based on literature. They're, they're based on more than 200 books, which you can get at the library. Yeah, and yeah. very, very little materials are needed for any of the activities. Now, as far as the, what we, what we try with our children and you know, what we just had this conversation last night, we went to dinner and um, we were at a restaurant and you know, my daughter is awesome. She's 13 and she's awesome. And she loves to talk to her friend um, on the phone and they have the group texts and you know she she loves it she's 13 and, and we're happy for her that she has good friends that that she has good conversations with and that they entertain each other and you know they learn from each other however when you're at a restaurant you don't you don't use it it's not say one more thing and put it away it's not have it out just in case someone has something to say you know it's that is not the time for it so it's it's like everybody knows it's balanced but we have to teach them and you may have to t teach them every day until they until they can kind of internalize it and and figure it out for themselves but just the way we have to we're teaching them you know to love literature and we're teaching them the elements of a story character and setting and problems we're teaching them um, a math problem and different ways to solve different problems the same way we're teaching that we teach them about how to be you know a little bit savvy about your devices if you're going to give your child we just gave our daughter a phone in december when she turned 13 then that comes with it it's not just like here you go okay now you're using it too much it's that goes with it her herself having to figure out a balance and then us having to constantly <laughs> remind them of what's appropriate what's not yeah so as far as us, as far as me using the social media as I was, it's true. You know, honestly, when I was doing the, the fashion blogging and the teaching, it was getting to be a lot. Like, luckily, my father is actually a photographer. So he would do all my pictures. Okay. So, I would get, so I remember one time a couple of years ago, we went to Florida and I came back. We had to have all our packages held. I came back to all these dresses and um, watches and just different things. I had to do some things from Sephora and photograph and having my dad can you come over at this time and we're going to do five outfits or we're going to do seven outfits and then I have to take a picture of this and that like okay and he comes and we go in my backyard and do it so it was very like very very that's all we did the pictures that you see that are all outside those are just my backyard okay so, but at that time it was 
it was too much like to have to be in Florida in Disney World with your family and then thinking about these packages and having to worry about how to take them. Like I feel like I learned the hard way that like this is too much. Yeah. And little by little I backed off until I had no more contracts and I was focused more on, you know, not not doing that, but my passions with teaching and education and seeing people out there connecting sharing the ideas kind of brought me back into it. So my Instagram account was actually not even used for months. And it's actually the teaching that brought me back to posting on it again. Hmm. So, and Brian was one of the first ones uh, you saw, he wrote the forward. He was one of the first ones that I was just intrigued by how he's going into the classroom and teaching coding and his first book, uh, Code Breaker and now Block Breaker. They're different, they're different books. Because it's not just all like, oh, here's what I did and oh, here's a quote and here's some good inspirational ideas. This is good practical stuff and it, and it makes you feel like, okay, like this is exciting. I can do this, yeah. Yeah, this is how children learn. But then the energy, but then that's not, that wouldn't be enough. Like if he just had his book out and on the stores, people, people would find it and read it and love it. But it's him who's, when you see him in the classroom and when you hear the passion in his voice and you see the interaction of the children, it brings it to life. And it shows you that, yeah, this is, this is awesome and you can do this. So he was one of the first ones, but then, you know, there's of course you and Brian Mendler with his, um, and you know, I used two of his quotes on my, on my discipline chapter, the behavior management with a growth mindset. I, I actually, it's the only chapter where I have a beginning quote and an ending quote from the same person and actually the only quotes that are from people who I know, although I never, I never met him in real life, but um, who I like, he's know, amazing. <laughs> yeah. but like, it's the same thing, right? Like we all know each other, but it's because the quotes themselves are just, they're so powerful. Yeah. And, and he, and he, what he says, it makes so much sense, but yet it's not happening. It doesn't seem like when you're in that moment in, in, it doesn't seem like it, but if you do, if you pay attention, it does. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. So the chapter that is devoted is 15 ways to promote a growth mindset and behave in behavior management, like helping kids to behave without using, you know, and I hate to say it because I know some people really love them, but I'm going to say it because I really, really, really feel that, that there are so many better ways to teach children to behave than sticker charts and the the moving the clothespins and changing the (laughs) color. Now, I mean, I know just from a mom's, uh, from a mom's point of view, um, when my daughter was little in kindergarten, she, you know, she always was like one of those kids who just always behave, always behave, always behave. And I remember the teacher saying, you know, she never talks. She's so quiet. And and they actually thought, well, I think she has a speech problem. And, and my daughter was like, no, I, I just don't want to get in trouble. Like she says yeah, not to talk. And, she, yeah. <laughs> you know? and then, um, but, but how is that helping if you're worried about then the teacher is going to flip your color if you talk and then it's going to, some kids are, are really, really bothered by that. And then other kids like, like my son, who is a lot more mischievous and he's more willing, (laughs) he's, he's more like, he's willing to um, stretch the, the, the boundaries of behavior because he's silly. Like he's a nice, nice, nice kid, but he's silly, you know, and he likes to fool around. And now for someone like him, I don't think it would matter like the flipping the, you know, it's like, 
okay, so you flip my color. You know what I mean? So it's like, when does that, when does that work? And why does the whole class? And I know that everyone has seen this poll on Facebook and I'm not sure if it's, I don't think it's Brian's, but somebody else made this little image where, um, and I forget, I think it might be that principal. Who's that principal? And I'm forgetting his name. Um, he does talks. He's not, I don't, I don't really know him very well. I've talked to him a few times. Uh, tell me the quote. It, we'll go from the end. See what I can yeah. It's about, um, it's about at a teacher's meeting. I'm going to, I'm going to have a, your, everyone's name. And every time the teacher <laughs> talks, at the, like well, that's funny. Guess, guess who that guy is. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Right? <laughs> right, so. Yeah. At, at my next staff meeting, I'm going to have a, a clip chart for my teachers and the first person that speaks out is going to get their clip moved. Absolutely. Yeah. But do you see, <laughs> but do you see how, but see, right. if it's not that's good how for I teachers, why is it good enough for kids? Yeah. And exactly. And the thing is, is that that's our job to, you know, and it's easy, of course, I, it's easy for me to say, I'm sitting here in my kitchen to say, well, you know, teach them the right behavior when the kid has done like the same thing, like 75 times and you're just right, like, right. comedy. but here's the thing is like, it is our job. It is our job to teach and to model the behavior. They cannot, you can't just come in and expect them. They know the rules of the school right. and they know the classroom. So as hard as it is, if you're a classroom teacher, it is your job to teach that. See, my thing is like, you have to teach the behaviors that are desirable mm -hmm. for them for their own good. So right. they will, so they will feel proud of themselves and they will be their best selves and they will do their best learning, but it does have to be taught. They don't know, you know, they don't, they don't really know exactly what to do and, and how to express themselves unless you help them. That's so good. You know, and one of the, the big things that, that I've been really, fixated on lately is the idea of teaching skills versus content. Um, yeah. You know, the idea of college and career readiness. Um, I think we oftentimes distort and we say that we need to fill our kids' heads with so much content so that they can go out there and be ready to succeed in the real world. But we all know that the content that we learn in our jobs from our on-the-job training far surpasses any of the, the knowledge that we got um, prior to that you know there's, there's a reason as educators for example teachers with more experience tend to get paid more because we believe that um with time and with messing up quite a bit and learning from your mistakes that you get better and better and better at your job there's not a single teacher out there that graduates college or graduates high school with all of the the knowledge needed to go out there and be extremely masterful you have to learn it but it's the skills of persistence it's the skills of overcoming it's the skills of having grace and humility and having real conversations with people and all of those skills that set people up for success so i love how you you talk about the idea that we need to teach those skills um i would argue we need to teach those skills before we teach all the other things we use content to teach the skills that matter most but again that's for yet another podcast <laughs> another day maybe yeah, um, absolutely you know what one of the, the final things i've got literally I know you, those of you out there can't see what I've got right now, but I've, I'm just sitting here feverishly taking notes because there's so much I want to jump into. Maybe Jennifer, you and I can sit down and do a part two of this at some point. Yeah, sure. But, you know, I've got so many questions I want to ask. Well, I guess one of the, the last things I want to ask for, for this episode is, so your book is all, it's filled with activities and it's filled with, um, like I said, recipes for success. Um, I love how with you know, I just went through and as I was looking at this yesterday and this morning um, specifically 
was looking at all of the activities and you've got a list of resources needed and the steps for the activities, but then you begin with students can choose or students should be given the opportunity to. You don't say this is how it needs to be done. It's just, it's almost all open-ended. You give the framework and then you say, but you can kind of tweak this and make it customized for, for kids, which is awesome. Love that. But the question I really have, um, going back to just the title, the, the, the cover of the book, we covered your name, which actually it was a great little story about your name, which I love. Um, but the title is Educate the Heart, but yet it's filled with screen-free activities. So yep. I'm curious um, where that title came from um, and why you think it's important to educate the heart. Uh, the title comes from Aristotle's quote, which in, edu in, in education that just... Um, <laughs> I'm going to say it wrong, but when you're just teaching the mind and you're not teaching the heart, right. it's not an education at all. Right. Um, <laughs> that's where it starts from. That's where, that's where, um, educate the heart. Yeah. So the social, the social emotion. Yeah, I'll, I'll read the quote for you. If that's okay. It's, the very educate, it's in the introduction. Right? <laughs> educating the mind without educating the heart is no education at all. Um, right. which absolutely. So get, like, Go in, go into that a little bit more. How, how does all of this help us educate the heart of, of kids? Yeah. Right, because the ideas, because the activities give them the freedom to learn at their own pace yeah. and to think and to be creative and to be, to be introduced to engaging activities that they can, you know, like I keep saying, to do at their own pace. They, because growing up, we know, is a journey, not a race. It's, it's based on their all, the, the activities can be taken from where they're at. It's not like, um, well, the child needs to have this much, these skills, and then those skills, and then they can do this. Basically, wherever they're at, they can take it and make it their own. So yeah. children, they need to feel, they need to feel loved before they can learn. These activities, because of the nature of them, because they're child friendly, because they're based on beautiful, beautiful uh, children's literature, because they're developmentally appropriately and they don't involve any worksheets, uh, obviously no screen time, but they're also, they're not worksheets. They're very hands-on activities. Because, because of that, it's getting them to love school. That's it. And if they love school and they feel that these activities are keeping them engaged and wanting to learn more and growing on their own, then, then like, what more can we do for them? They, they love school. They love to learn. And like you said, the content, the content is there. The content is worked in. Like I have one chapter on the physical movement activities is all based on different kinds of content that you could either use or switch it out. But but they're moving as they're learning right, and it's right. based on the content. So it's not that I'm ignoring the content. There's content galore. Like in like every yeah. chapter, the stories and the themes and the different concepts, but the thing that makes them all cater to educating the heart is that it keeps their needs first. It right. makes sure they're comfortable. Like the chapter on flexible seating. If they're not comfortable, they're not happy. If they're not happy, they're not going to be their best selves. They're not going to learn as much as they can. Right, right. You know, it's not about getting them in front of you and, and, you know, just throwing all this stuff at them. It's about making the environment theirs That's so good. and making them feel that they can achieve. Yeah. And it's not about just being fluffed and, and soft. You know, I, I think a lot of us have seen the, the social media post of mm -hmm. you know, 
kids uh, meet according to Maslow before you can meet their needs according to Bloom's. Yep. And that's so real in my, in my prior job. Um, you know, I worked at a, an inner city school that had tremendous amounts of poverty, 90% free lunch and 40% um, of kids had at least one parent in jail. And I mean, the needs were just intense. And we, we came up with policies at my school where it was, we had no homework policies and um, teachers were expected to make home visits and phone calls. And we would go out on Fridays just to play in the park. And during Thanksgiving, we were baking turkeys and passing out Christmas presents and all that because we really wanted to pour into their needs first. Um, and then, then when you do that, you can capture their heads. And I think that what you just said there summarized that so much better than, than I ever did. And it's, it, it's fun um, and exciting to hear real educators that are still out there practicing, um, not necessarily just out on the speaking tour and pontificating from a stage telling us that we need to do this, but people that are in the trenches, um, living it and breathing it every single day saying, no, I, I see this and I know this works. And kudos to you for, for stepping up and, and taking that stand. I love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So um, just, just because I, I know a lot of the people listening right now are probably getting close to their, their drive home or um, their drive into work or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I do want to kind of wrap this up a little bit. Do you have any final um, words for people? Just uh, uh, if you were trapped in an elevator with somebody for 30 seconds and had 30 seconds to put your sales pitch on for what is needed in education today. Um, I mean, what, what would you say? What would you say that we need to do either differently or that we need to hold on to and, and magnify? I think that when we are keeping the children, when we're putting the children first and what they need and what's really, really best for them to grow and we're giving them the experiences that we all, that we all you know, needed as young children, I think that uh, that's the most important thing. I think everything else, if you just if you just keep the best interests of the best interests of the children in mind, and you're really giving them the best possible experiences and letting them be kids, you know, yeah. letting them learn at their own pace and remembering that every child is different. What works for one is not going to work for the other, and we should celebrate that. Celebrate those differences. So good, so good. So Jennifer, thank you for joining me today. I know that you are in your last full week of summer, although you're chomping at the bit and want to be in your classroom. I appreciate yeah. <laughs> some of your time today just to, to be here with, with me and to, to talk and to share. And I'm going to challenge all those listeners out there that to go out, go on Amazon today, right now when you're listening to this and just look up Educate the Heart, screen-free activities for grades pre-K through six to inspire authentic learning. Um, all you have to do is type in Educate the Heart and it pops right up. Um, the, great great book practical um it's filled with it's research-based there's lots of lots of amazing strategies in there even if you pick it up buy it and you just literally just flip through it and stop on some of these bold titles of things you're like well that that sounds cool let me try that this isn't a book that you actually actually have to read from beginning to end although that's ultimately the goal you don't have to um there are so many nuggets of wisdom and opportunities for you to just take things and apply them at school and at home so Get yourself a copy today. Sorry, there's there's my plug for you, Jennifer. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I just again, I appreciate your time and I appreciate what you're doing every single day. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you and all that you're doing for everybody in the education world. And I really appreciate your enthusiasm for Educate the Heart. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you did, feel free to keep listening by subscribing right now to the Lasting Learning Podcast and get new episodes as soon as they're released. Interested in knowing more about me, Dave Schmidt? Well, feel free to find out what makes me tick by reading one of my books, Bold Humility, or It's Like Riding a Bike. Feel free to check them both out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or directly on my website, schmidt.net. That's S-C-H-M-I-T-T-O-U dot net.